Well, that was fun, wasn't it? The idea that I had for the previous episode, chronologically to the one you're listening to now on the timeline, I know that some of the listeners listen out of order. Um, They just casually peruse the timeline and choose an episode. It drives me nuts. Um, There's a system here. And the story, the narrative won't work unless, unless you listen to it chronologically or maybe it will I don't know maybe it adds to the whole sort of dadaism of it all right anyway um lots of pipe heads faxed in is it facts or faxed we don't know until the uh, results come back anyway a lot of listeners dear pipe heads you faxed in by your by your dozens didn't you because you were all scrambling trying to figure out what the movie was that we had in the last episode because we didn't use the name we put lots of x's like it's wheel of fortune or something anyway uh i'm just going to go through a few of these uh a few of these facts and actually my my assistant paul um rather than print out each fax again what he does is he gets the fax comes in he comes into the office um, he takes the facts, he puts it into the uh, the photocopier, he makes a copy of the facts, and then that, that gets printed out. So it's a, quite a rigorous process in order to get me get me these these messages from the listeners. Um, but he he then he had a bright idea. What if he just he wrote those down into an electronic mail and, and just and made that come up on my on my computer so that's what I'm looking at now is an electronic mail um, from Paul to me and he's handwritten he's taken a photo of a piece of paper and he's put that into into the machine um, and I'm now reading that from the screen so uh, all of that is to say I'm, I'm very grateful for all the messages that you've sent in all the guesses and they are guesses aren't they because clearly no one listening really understands how movies work um, because they're largely wrong guesses, aren't they? Just um, no spoilers, but pretty much everybody got them wrong. Um, anyway, Chester John Target III from Wyoming. Was it what women want? Chester, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, but that's a good guess because what women want was primarily set in Malaysia, wasn't it? So same neck of the woods, easy to confuse. Uh, Patricia Jenkins, one of our regular uh, patrons, patrons. Um, was it the 1991 Steven Spielberg fantasy adventure movie Hook? Patricia, it wasn't Hook. Uh, Lewis Geography. Um, he writes, I haven't finished the podcast yet, but it's obviously the year of living dangerously. If that's what you mean. He also goes on to say uh, soup could be tense if it was a non-Newtonian liquid. Okay. Well, Mr. Geography, that could be a contradiction, but we'll have to go along with it. Uh, Michael Douglas. Can't be the the Michael Douglas, can it? I mean, I'm sure there's quite a common name. Um, I have the original print of Only a Baby Elephant Will Do. Would we like it? That can't be the Michael Douglas, can it? 
Michael, Mr. Douglas, please only fax in if you are going to guess the movie. And we've never heard of that bloody movie, that film. Michael Douglas again, sorry about that. Was it Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, the sequel to Wall Street? I mean, what? Is he just promoting his own fucking movies? Paul? Paul? Yeah. Can you block Mr. Douglas's fax number? Michael Douglas, yeah. Can you block his number? I don't want any more messages from that guy. Yeah. You'll send me a, an electronic mail to confirm. Okay, cheers. Thanks, Paul. And the last one here from Anonymous in North Attleboro. Was it the hunt for Red October? <sighs> no, but God, I wish it was. Don't look back in anger. The 2021... Sorry, don't look up. The 2021 climate crisis satire. Did we ever think we'd get one of those? I don't think we did, did we? But here we are, pipeheads. We are satirising climate change. Or rather, we are satirising the denial of climate change. This is all about the denial of things, isn't it? And you've got Leonardo DiCaprio there, probably arguably the most revered mainstream actor slash movie star working in Hollywood today. And he has put his big, long name on the top of this movie and he got paid probably $20 million to deliver a sort of subpar script. The script really lets this one down. Um, the movie's enjoyable because it's a hot mess. The entire movie is a mess. Um, and it's kind of suitable considering the mess that they are satirising. Um, I don't want to give too much away because you really do need to see this to believe it. Um, and you, there's no denying that this is absolutely a movie that um, came hurtling towards us almost out of nowhere um, and landed on Netflix and destroyed the earth, didn't it? The entire earth, our planet, got wiped out by a movie. Um, and then we all woke up on New Year's Day. Happy New Year, by the way. We all woke up on New Year's Day and we were on another planet and uh, we all got eaten by um, sort of alien mammals, didn't we? That didn't actually happen. Um, but if you've seen the movie, there's a few in-jokes there. Uh, what do we say about this? Um, it wasn't as funny as it thought it was, but it was also the fact it wasn't funny subverted what it means to be a satire in 2021. Because we're all savvy, aren't we, about how satire and sort of thumbing our nose authority works because of the internet the internet has leaked it's leaked all over the place somebody to look into that actually um, the internet's leaked everywhere and meme culture and trolling 
and all of these other things that probably make me sound like an old uncle, um, they've now come to the forefront, haven't they? And uh, they're fully mainstream. And it's no longer enough to parody the powers that be because the powers that be now parody themselves willingly. They participate in this strange, cyclical, infinite misery jumper that we continue to pull over our heads and it never stops. And this movie, when you're watching it, it feels significant. Um, that's the one good thing I have to say about it. It was definitely one of these mood movies. What do I mean by that? The filmmakers created an, uh, a vibe and I like the setup. I like the simplicity and the fact that somewhat was played straight in the initial opening. Um, very sort of uh, withheld in terms of they didn't go straight for the jugular. They set the very real um, sort of context within which this movie operates and then they just they sort of let loose and there's a lot of improvisation improv improvisology um, involved in this movie particular from Jonah Hill and he he doesn't do a good job he's not as funny as he thinks he is but that might be the joke he might have said to the director Adam McKay who got famous for things like the big short and vice but has also he directed Anchorman, he did Step Brothers, so he sort of bridged mainstream Hollywood comedy, but then he sort of went into the more serious, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you something, whilst also sort of being absurd. Anyway, Jonah Hill, I think, probably said to Adam, he's like, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to parody myself in movies as this character, and I'm going to improv, but I'm going to improv like somebody pretending to be Jonah Hill improvising in a movie. And it's not funny. Nothing he says is funny, and I think that's the point now I think about it. Because I didn't laugh, not one bit, when Jonah Hill opened his bearded mouth. But I think that's the point, pipeheads. I think that's the point. Anyway, don't look up is good advice. Um, in some situations, um, for this movie, you should look up, otherwise you won't be able to see the television unless you're stood, sort of, unless it's sort of fallen on the floor in front of you, and you're sort of standing over it, and you're sort of like peering down into the TV as if it's some sort of like wishing well. Um, other than that, you should probably you should look up, or at least look along. Um, parallel to the floor which you're you're either sat on or, or or stood on so you can actually see this movie um, otherwise you'll just hear it and it might not make as much sense because you do need to look at it so don't look up good advice when there's a, a comet coming if you are a climate denier um, but absolutely look up if you want to understand the reality within which we live now in 2021. Um, and also if you want to watch stuff on the TV or maybe you want to talk to people, maybe you need to look up, you know, look, look, look all the way up, because that would look weird, because you'd be sort of staring up into space, almost 
uh, sort of you know vertically up as if you were trying to identify a satellite um, you need to look towards the person or people that you're actually talking to um, that's that's the main takeaway from this movie is when you when you're trying to talk to people you should really you should look up but not all the way up just like halfway it's a bit misleading really isn't it as a film as a film title there um anyway that was don't look up um it was a bit shit but i think that was the point this is a bonus segment paul my assistant just handed me uh, one of these printouts that he likes to do and he, he sort of he was mouthing to me and if you if you could see what you're saying he, he was basically mouthing don't forget to read this fucking memo out anyway so he's handing me this piece of paper again very official he does a good job with these um he felt bad because three episodes ago he forgot to include three questions from our readers. Paul, it's not readers, it's listeners. Three listeners questions. So I just thought I'd add it on to the end of this one because I think I'm, I'm deciding now in real time and I don't know if the committee will like this but they probably won't have any choice. Um, this is the end of season one. Um, I was hoping to have finished season one just before the end of 2021, but uh, we had news of this uh, this documentary went went round, got sent round, um, and there's a, a comet heading towards Earth, and we weren't sure. It's a bit touch and go um, because it looked like a comet was about to hit Earth and, and wipe us out. Is one of these extinct, extinction level events. But thank God, thank goodness, <laughs> it was a, it was just a Netflix movie. It wasn't a documentary. It wasn't a news report. Um, so anyway, Paul, in a rush, made a printout of an email from uh, a, a few few weeks ago to try and sneak in uh, a a couple of these readers, I mean, listeners' questions. So he he has that off of his conscience and I get to create a little bit more content for the final episode of season one of Movie Pipe. Okay, this is me rustling. There's nothing on this paper because I'm reading it from my phone, but it makes it sound like, oh, this is so cool because uh, Gigi's in character and he has props. But you'd never know. I might be, I might have it written on a piece of paper. I might have a printout. I might have an assistant called Paul, who's always conveniently just off mic. You don't know. That's the mystery we're creating here. Anyway, here's the reader's questions. First of all, this is anonymous. What does GG stand for? Now, I'm... Assuming the question means what do the initials stand for, not do, not does, not when, not how, not why, what I stand for politically or, or whatever that might be. So what does GG stand for, the initials? Uh, Glengarry. 
Uh, I was named after the, uh, the famous Kevin Spacey movie written by um, David Mamet. Uh, I was actually born before it, but for whatever reason, my parents had a premonition um, of that movie and they called me Glen Gary and my brother's called Ross. Anyway, second question, another anonymous one. Uh, what color are the seats in your screening room? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm really allowed to tell you, but it is the last episode, so why the hell not? They are bright baby blue velour. Uh, probably one of the best, best decisions I ever made when it came to upholstery. And this another question by the same anonymous listener. Um, what's your favorite on-screen teeth scenes? On-screen teeth scenes. No wonder this one didn't get make the cut last time. Fucking hell, Paul. Um, okay, look, I'll play along. So what's your favorite on-screen teeth scenes? Let's say, I mean, I could give you a quick top five. Top five. Uh, intolerable cruelty. Clooney with his gnashes in the rearview mirror. Uh, Marathon Man, obviously, with the old Dusty Hoffman getting his bloody teeth pulled by some British actor. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. This is an unusual one, but um, if you remember, uh, Jim Carrey had one of his front teeth chipped and he decided to keep it because it looked good for his character. And then Brad Pitt saw that movie and he did the same thing for Fight Club. I don't know. I guess he was channeling Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, right? Who's Tyler Durden? We don't know, but he's got a chipped tooth. And the fifth one on my top five uh, favourite on-screen teeth scenes, I should probably make this into a blog, actually, um, is Wanted, where Professor X smashes a keyboard into Star-Lord's mouth and the, all of his teeth, some of his teeth fly out. And in combination with the broken keys on the keyboard that he was hit with, it spells out a naughty word. I won't say what it is. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the top five teeth scenes. 